Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Now a lot of what we've done is our digital content is much more seeded online. So for example, we did a big campaign pre-holiday this year, Holiday Besties, where we delivered your best friend to you no matter where they were. Because bringing people together over Heineken is something that we are passionate about. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Sarah Hopstetter, president of Profitero. And I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. We spend so much time talking about the channel shifts that we just observed, the future of e-com, how to navigate org design. It's refreshing when we have someone on the show who wants to talk about brand. Yeah. And lest we think that brand is not part of the commerce equation, it almost feels like in our industry and by our industry, I'm like looking at marketing, communications, sales, the whole kinkaboodle. You look at the role of a CMO and for so many years, performance marketing was like a dirty word, direct response, all that other stuff. It was like unsexy. Now it's what everybody's been talking about since the pandemic hit. And so when we are able to bring the connection back from not just DR, but brands and the totality of the consumer shopper experience, it's a hell of a lot more interesting, fulfilling, and frankly, full of ROI. No, it's wild. I remember it was last week or the week before, Mark Pritchard was awarded Performance Marketer of the Year. (laughs) If, If that doesn't say something. Yeah. Who would have thought the guy who's always the ANA keynote, the person that everybody's looking to, the one who makes all the iconic ads, and now he's performance marketer of the year. I think that that's pretty interesting. But yeah, I was talking to um, a, a different CMO last week, and we were talking about why brand marketing is so important for e-commerce. And if you kind of like boil it down to the most simplistic 
parts of it. If you think about like, what's your ultimate goal, if you're especially a CPG BevL type marketer, there's a difference between saying, I need milk, eggs, beer, pasta, whatever, and saying, I need milk, eggs, Heineken, Chobani, Barilla, whatever. Yep. What makes your brand show up on the shopping list versus the category is really the epitome of brand marketing and brand value working. Somebody that's willing to spend an extra buck or two on your brand versus somebody else's because it has that value. And that's exactly what Johnny Cahill, the CMO of Heineken USA, shared with us. You know, Heineken is typically a beer that you would trade up for in a restaurant. And how do you bring that consumer mentality to a marketplace like Drizzly, Mini Bar, Reserve Bar? I think one of the most powerful things that Johnny said to us was how you're never going to see Heineken show up at spring break. To have that filter on your brand. I'll tell you who you will see showing up at spring break. And I'm not talking about brands. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh, Sarah's back in action. Oh, yeah. It's an alcohol episode. So I'm on my game. Yeah. But it made me think like, does anyone have that filter when it comes to shelf space? Are people saying no? to certain retailers and marketplaces because it doesn't align with their brand values. Yeah, it's really important as we think about the role of brand discoverability because we talk so much in e-commerce about the digital shelf and making sure your brand is discoverable. But if it's not in the right context, I mean, this reminds me of our earlier roots of like a decade ago, like search and other and social, like you want to be in a contextually smart place. And I think Heineken prides themselves and rightfully so on saying, I'm going to be where my brand belongs, like the U.S. Open, for example, and not necessarily at spring break. Well, on that note, let's bring Johnny Cahill, the CMO of Heineken USA, onto the show. Hey, Johnny. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Sarah. Great to be here. Finally, it took us a while to set it up, but we're ready to go. The time is the present, so we're super excited to have you. So 2020 was a year that obviously tested all of our resilience but the beer industry was really no exception. You know, with the elimination of most social gatherings, whether it's bars, restaurants, sporting events, how did Heineken probably change its strategy overnight? Yeah, and there's a great thought in your question, which is overnight, because any CMO who tells you they had a plan or knew what they were doing for the first couple of months of this is maybe making stuff up. I mean, it was a pure pivot to understand what was going to work and, and what wasn't. So for us, which, you know, as a premium brands organization where we're very focused on experience, on connecting physically with people and really making sure that we justify the premium pricing that the brands command, like why should you pay more for Heineken than another beer? It's mostly driven by the brand experience. We realized we had to keep going and keep connecting with people, but do it in entirely different ways. So things like experiential changed overnight. Things like sampling changed overnight. We had built the Heineken house at Coachella physically and then had to remove it physically. Really tough thing to do, like emotionally a tough thing to do as well, notwithstanding the fun trip to Coachella that also got cancelled. So for us, it was a, a massive pivot. But interestingly, I think the thing that worked for us is while the tactics were changing, our commitment to what the brands stand for did not change at all. And that was one of the things you saw a lot of in the early phase of COVID, that brands were doing things that had nothing to do with the brand. They were, if you will, opportunistic or situational. 
And I think our belief was you should be consistent on what the brand stands for. How you do it changed, but not what you do. We're still doing what we always did, which is bringing people together over a beer. That's pretty exceptional that you can keep your North Star straight. I agree with you. I think a lot of people are full of crap, but isn't our industry so much about fake it till you make it anyway? (laughs) There was definitely a high dividend for creative that started with the phrase in these challenging times. Oh my God. Seriously, if I hear any more commercials like that, and the truth is that people have moved on. Thank God. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're looking, thinking, is that really what this brand stands for? Is that what I think about when I think about this brand? And isn't the whole idea, I mean, go back to the marketing books, right? A brand is a collection of values, which gives people a shortcut. I mean, that's what it actually is. So suddenly, if you start doing like random stuff, which could be engaging or sincere, but irrelevant to your brand positioning, then in the end, the consumers, people actually sort of think, well, what's that got to do with them? The discipline it took to kind of hold true to what you are and what you stand for, whilst you're changing how you do everything, whilst your music is going online, your sports sponsorships are paused. So there was just so many things happening. We tried to just make sure we were very consistent to who we are. The categories in the beverage industry generally have bespoke swim lanes, right? You've got beer, wine, spirits non-alcoholic beverages, but innovation has really been playing a role in kind of crossing over categories. And the effect, this is a podcast about e-commerce, but the effect on e-commerce has been pretty impressive, especially as it comes to things like sampling new things. How are you thinking about that? What role innovation plays on the business? Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and I think your rights are historically categories and not only in in beverage alcohol but in in most cpg categories there was very delineated swim lanes like you mentioned a liquor a wine a beer but what's happening in the innovation world is the category lines are blurring entirely and actually brands say they're consumer first yet they want a designated swim lane that describes their business and their vertical but it shouldn't really i be in the business of bringing amazing beverages to people and whether that margarita is liquor-based, agave, wine-based, seltzer-based, does it really matter? Um, It matters to Nielsen. It matters to us as players. It probably matters to Diageo in liquor. But does it matter to Chris and Sam, who are having a, a drink on the terrace in Austin tomorrow night? They don't care. And I think there's a beautiful tension there is a lot of the BevAl players got a little bit sort of stressed out by the fact that we have this massive blurring of categories. Oh my God, what is it? Well, who cares? As long as it is great, as long as it is compelling, it tastes great. As long as those things happen, then what category it comes from is really unimportant. Now you have to know what you do and know what you stand for. And obviously there's compliance issues and legal issues that you have to manage through. But from a pure consumer perspective, nobody cares. And that's a liberating thing. Now, you can choose to make that a terrifying thing in your business. We only do this and now people don't care anymore. But it can also be a truly liberating thing. And e-commerce, I think, was probably the catalyst here and even made this whole blurring of category lines happen faster. Because if you think about it, even logically, those categories used to be physically separated in store. Well, they're not physically separated online. It's just a beverage conversation you're having. So we think that that has accelerated what's going on. But it doesn't scare us. We just believe that if you have beautiful brands and beautiful products, what box they tick 
is largely irrelevant. That to me doesn't sound consumer focused. Yeah, I've been working on beer brands for, gosh, at least a decade, but probably more. I'll stop dating myself after that because how could I be working on it if I was only 21? But one of the things everybody was so hell-bent on was, well, this is a good beer for this occasion, and this is a good beer for that occasion, and nobody's going to do fine dining with a beer. They're going to do it with a wine. And I just, there was such a fixed mindset. And I do think that, you know, the combination of e-commerce and just on-demand delivery, things like that have really made people not care about a particular being pigeonholed into an occasion. In fact, one of the things I thought was so fascinating, having nothing to do with beer, but having to do with the fact that occasions really don't matter, was there was this growing trend on Twitter over the course of like the first wave of the pandemic in the States where parents were serving their kids Kraft Mac and cheese for breakfast because that's what the kids were asking for. And like nobody had time to really give a crap whether or not they were giving their kids what was right. So Kraft Mac and Cheese saw all that chatter on Twitter and they came up with breakfast mac and cheese. And it was like a limited edition. It was a little stunty, but it just says anything goes, no judgment, Yep. do what you want, eat what you want, drink what you want. And I think that represents a fantastic opportunity to be a little bit more borderless about it. And to be very consumer focused. I mean, I'm very struck by your example. Think of the folks at Kellogg's who for the last 40 years have been working out how do we stop ourselves being a breakfast brand? Similarly for us with Heineken Zero, how do we bring beer to occasions when maybe you'd love beer, but you don't need the alcohol? So this idea, as you say, people are much more open and not straitjacketed by occasionality is on one hand, I think if you're a mediocre consumer-focused organization, super scary. But if you actually are consumer-centric, it's unbelievably exciting mm. because perhaps Kellogg's can serve things at the movies um, and perhaps I can bring Heineken Zero to play to the office because probably bringing Heineken to the office would have been a struggle for us. But we can certainly bring Heineken Zero to the office. So I think for organizations, it's so easy to stay your consumer focused, like it's a cheap sort of currency of every CMO. Have you ever heard one of us say we're not? But at the same time, we care about profits and profits only. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we would never admit it. But there's just such a huge opportunity in the blurring of categories and, to your point, occasions. And that that means your innovation team have just got so many things to bring together to give them the next round of ideas. Johnny, I guess going back to your earlier comment about North Star, you know, in a borderless world, where are the swim lanes, though? Like what would not be for Heineken? So to give you some examples, one of our clients is Elf Cosmetics and they just did a collaboration with Chipotle. Yep. And it actually makes complete sense for the brand. You know, one of the things that we saw in Ecom per your point was that once the customer put a beauty product in her cart at a place like Target, she was then putting her groceries. For Heineken, where are those swim lanes and how far can the innovation team go? It's a great question because... Again, you often start with what are we not? And is that already a limiting question? For us, it's not the what that we're focused on, whether it's a beer, whether it's a seltzer, what what it is. It's those enduring things that we're bringing to the table. So what's in scope, what's out of scope? World-class brewing, world-class beverages is not in scope or out of scope. It's just mandatory. It's what we do. We're a family company. They check. It's their great, great, great grandfather's company. And that means we have a different commitment to quality because our name is over the door, literally and metaphorically. So premium positioning, 
openness, bringing people together, fun, wittiness. You know, the Heineken brand particularly is not comedic, but it's witty. And so for us, Rachel, it's as much about tone of voice, uh, suitability to occasion, premiumness, that that's what we do, as opposed to what's in there. So we won't rack and stack a cheap, uh, like, for example, right now we're doing Merchants, which is a lemonade, a hard lemonade and peach tea for grown-ups. Our question and what inspired that is people love lemonade and tea and they've loved them on the porch for years and years from when they were young right the way through. The tension we're working with is when I want to drink a hard lemonade, why are they all so juvenile? Why is it all so frat house? And what if we could bring a more grown up adult lemonade, hard lemonade to the table to allow you to have those great memories from, you know, the porch, but in a way that's a little bit sophisticated because that's something we're quite good at. So it is, of course, keeping an eye on the categories. There are certain things that you just don't have credibility. I, I you know, dairy or, or confectionery as an adult focused brand is probably somewhere we would just not go. So we're in beverage. We're in alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages and very much committed to both. But I, I'm more struck by how we show up, which is always premium, I would hope intelligent or at least thoughtful. And that those are the consistent things you see from our organization. So you have different brands, but we tend to be in a quadrant sort of more emotionally in your head, whether it's Dos Equis or Heineken. It is about keeping focused on that, I think, more than the swim lanes. Building on the premium nature of your brand in a physical world, often the consumer is deciding between Heineken and maybe a beer that's of less quality. And you're at a restaurant and you're making that decision and it it could be impulsive. How are you emulating sort of that sell up behavior in an e-commerce world. Yeah, that's very interesting for us. And you've you've touched on something interesting. We're asking people to pay a bit more, right, for, for Heineken. Think about it in that restaurant, in that bar, in that target. We're asking for a few more dollars. And again, you go back to the fundamentals of pricing and premium positioning. You need to know what you've done to ask for that money. Like what more are you bringing? And we're bringing 150 years of quality we're bringing brewing expertise we're bringing european beer credentials obviously that that's important but we're also bringing a tone of voice and helping people as you say to feel like this is a little bit of a treat it's not just something i grabbed i'm treating myself or it's a first date or maybe a second date and i want to do the right thing and buy into the brand in the e-commerce world so physically how that would show up in if you will pre-pandemic was our experiential events where we showed up physically, the US Open, Coachella, Major League Soccer, very urban, very progressive, very iconic, very premium. Now, a lot of what we've done is our digital content, and which still embodies that cleverness and wittiness in terms of our communications, is much more seated online. So, for example, we did a big campaign pre-holiday this year, Holiday Besties, where we delivered your best friend to you, no matter where they were, because bringing people together over Heineken is something that we are passionate about. And in the e-commerce trading world, it is about being choiceful and selective about where we show up. If you think about the, and I use the air quotes, old world of television, you know, you didn't see us on every show, on every channel, blanket bombing the consumer with a frequency bomb. And we don't do that in e-commerce either. We're selective about where we show up, the right occasions, 
the right moments for us to show up. And I'll give you a tangible example because a lot of CMOs talk in a way that's kind of, what does he really mean? No. Yeah, because that's how we get paid. I'm not bringing Heineken to spring break because that's not where we live. That's not where we go. That's not right for us. Now, is it right for Natty Light to show up at spring break? Absolutely. Is it right for Rolling Rock to show up at spring break? Probably. Is it right for Heineken to show up at spring break? Not really, because that's not what the brand stands for. So it's the combination of just having the bravery. I'm struck by your podcast name, the bravery to say what you're not doing. And then when you do do things to make sure that you do them in a way that's like super consistent and spring break, that real example is very tempting. I mean, we can sell a lot of beer right now in Galveston, but that's not where Heineken belongs. And it would be confusing for us. It would be confusing for the students. They're like, why are these guys here? That's okay. So you have to have the backbone, the courage of your convictions to say, this is right for us. And this is not right for us. And I always believe people, consumers get that. When we stand in the, at the US Open at the tennis, for example, which is synonymous with us, we've been partners for years and people flood onto the concourse outside the stadium. And let's not forget that the US Open is uh, you know, a party with some tennis. There's a feeling you look around, you see us, you see Grey Goose and you turn around and you think, mm-hmm, yeah, that makes sense to me. If you walk onto the, the, the grounds of the US Open and you suddenly see Four Loco, I'm just not sure that that makes sense, not even to the commercial people, but to the consumers. So I think people get it. I think they know. And for us, the challenge is to stay disciplined and smart and, and be choiceful. I guess that's really the key. That image of Four Loco in the US Open just made me laugh. I mean, anything's possible, right? So, I mean, it would certainly spice up the party, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure it's, uh, I'm not sure the USTA would go for that. Well, Johnny, we have come to the moment where we have to ask you our final question, which is what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? I was CMO of O2, which is a big telco brand in, in Europe. I think Verizon, I mean, basically as a, as an analogous kind of reference. And we were struggling to recruit younger uh, members to the, to the brand franchise. So we were very big in business, very big in sort of older post-paid consumers. And we realized that we couldn't stretch the brand to be truly relevant to a more youthful audience where there's a lot of volume and revenue in the telco space because they're super users. Uh, we launched a brand called 48. Uh, completely off uh, from start to finish in six months. And the brand premise of 48, which was a mobile, which is a mobile phone brand, is you can only be a customer for 48 months from the ages of 18 to 22. It's the only mobile phone network in the world that kicks you off when you age out because we wanted to celebrate those magical years between high school and graduating college. And we couldn't get our our very trusted brand into that space. We built a mobile phone network that actually loses you and leaves you when you graduate. And it has been very successful. It is a beautiful brand, tons of attitude. It was great as a marketeer because we got the freedom to do crazy stuff on this brand versus the parent brand. Um, but that simple flip of the world, which is you leave mobile phone companies. Well, not this one. It leaves you trying to sell that to our CEO 
can you imagine the moment when you say, so what we do is, and then you hear it coming out of your own mouth and you're like, this is absolute insanity. And it worked. So I guess in business, that's the bravest thing I, I ever did. The, in life, I, I played a lot of rugby and though many people I've met, I'm five foot four. So that wasn't brave. That was just dumb. <laughs> Well, as someone who's five foot one, welcome to the club. I mean, Sarah and I are marketing nerds. I love that strategy and how polarizing it is. And it forces you to make a choice as a consumer. It's it's brilliant. Johnny, thank you so much for your time. It's so clear how strong the Heineken brand is strategically within the organization. The focus on the North Star, no matter what the macroeconomic dynamics are, it's it's really phenomenal. And we appreciate having you on the show. No problem. I'm glad to have been. Thank you for the very provoking uh, questions, because it's great to, I guess, be forced to think about the things we're doing, right? Because we're all in the middle of the maelstrom as well. And, you know, we talk all the time about marketing being art and science, and it is both. And the more we're prepared to admit that sometimes we're trying things, we're finding our way and stop pretending that every CMO knows exactly what they're doing. The sooner we get to that, we'll be in a better place. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, Forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.